I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson, powered by LaCole, our show partner. This is the Tour de Romandie Stage 1, even though we had a prologue. So it's like when is the ground level, Benji, in Belgium? Zero, ground or one? I know it differs in other countries. In an elevator, you know, they're the sort of things, the existential questions we need to consider. Should a prologue be one, zero? We think one. Anyway, LeCol just brought out a Stelvio and Von 2 kit uh, for summer in Europe. They look absolutely sick. Go and check them out if you're interested in getting some summer jerseys. But on to this stage. 169 k's they do a circuit of two climbs mainly there's a Laras climb at the start but the two main climbs are the Prodoui and Chamosson they're joined together the first one the Prodoui 2.7 k's at 7 percent then they descend into the Chamosson 2.1 k's at 6.2 percent no real steep pinches they look like narrow vineyard roads quite scenic actually from Aile to Martigny and between these climbs was about 30 kilometers of flat and after the last climb we had 22 23 kilometers of flat there was significant headwind on the stage which affected it a lot we were thinking there would be could be not thinking there would be but possible there could be attacks on those climbs Uh, but how did the stage play out benji basically we started off with uh a breakaway, and the breakaway was relatively powerful. We had the likes of a Diego Ulisi. Hasn't been that great this season so far, but he had, a, I think, a hard issue at the start of the season, if I recall correctly. Yes. Then uh, Bowaro was in there as well. Robert Bauer, Concha for uh, Trek, if I recall correctly, and then Arensmann for uh, DSM with Joel Sutter, who is representing the uh, Swiss national team here. You've got the option, if you're Swiss and you're not on the start list, of uh, another team at a race like Romandy, you've get the opportunity, well, if you're selected by national team to ride for your national team here. So that's pretty cool if you didn't know that. But um, that's how he got in there. When it comes to this breakaway, yeah, I don't feel like it was going to make it throughout the stage. The gap was relatively high at the start, but we saw that in the peloton, they were keeping it relatively controlled. And those were the teams of the of the sprinters, we had Bahrain putting someone at the front. We had Bora putting someone at the front. We had Mitchelton for Dean Smith putting someone at the Eddie front. Dunbar. Just everybody had like <laughs> one person in there. And uh, we saw that, yeah, Ineos was uh, taking control of the race as well a tiny bit, even though is there something for them here? I think it's just another jersey yeah. for another day and nothing more than that, to be honest. But this breakaway fell apart, I think, on the last hill pretty much where Joel Sutter went for a bit of a move, then he got countered by Damon Arnsman, very nice climber, very talented young yeah. guy, and he dropped everybody and Joel Sutter as well, and then he basically got caught himself. So that's the story of the breakaway today. <laughs> and eventually after that last climbing section, we landed with a peloton that was being led by the four best flat riders in the entire peloton. Oh my God. <laughs> the likes of uh, 
Ben Zwiehoff. Ben Steiner. Hermann Ben Steiner. <laughs> Who else? Uh, I had two other names in my head. Well, it was so um, stop start, Benji. What happened? So what happened yeah. was on these these last climbs, you're thinking, okay, maybe um, Mitchelton or Bike Exchange want to get rid of Sagan, Viviani, the quickest guys here, because uh, Smith climbs better than them, and no one really paced. It was weird. They brought back the break, I think, almost too quickly, and then they stopped pacing the sprinters' teams. And then the climb, yeah. it was just Ganner, and he let Aronsman go. He didn't really care. And I didn't think the pace was that hot on the climb at all. Peloton was still pretty big, and we were looking, where's Viviani? And it appeared that he'd been dropped, Froome had been dropped on the climb. But Sagan's. Bauhaus. Pardon? Bauhaus. Yeah, true, Benji. But yeah. Sagan, Cole Brelli, Smith, Court. I believe, were not dropped. And I think, isn't it Solo here, Benji? Was he going to, I don't think no, so. he's going to Giro. I just saw another guy with the uh, Quebec kit in the second group. So Bike Exchange started pacing really hard for a second with Germain and Bookwalter. And then Eddie Dunbar just let their wheel go after the climb with 14Ks to go. So it was just two Bike Exchange guys supposed to be doing a lead out or keeping... <laughs> Viviani behind and Dumbo was like you go way too quick and let it go and then they came back and then Bike Exchange just stopped pacing at all <laughs> it made no sense to me I didn't get it at all uh, why they were burning it should have been up to Sagan he was like prohibitive favorite at this time in the race with 10ks to go I think $2.50 in the live markets because really it's just cold really caught Smith and Torini here He's sprinting against. He should be cleaning it up. And, um, yeah, what? maybe go through the ne- next 10Ks, Benji, where the pace just came out of the race completely. Such a bizarre finish. Yeah, you mentioned it. Started stopping the peloton, then it caused other people to think, ah, oh, we don't have a sprinter in our team. Let's try and go for a YOLO attack yeah. here. And that's what the Gunning Quickstep was like. And Cavagna decided to first go for himself for a tiny bit. He had a bit of a gap and then... Well, didn't, so he got caught again. And then it was up to, I think, Stefan Kung, who was the next rider with about 13k to go, to go for a little joyride, but that didn't last too long either. And it was only one attack that actually stayed up for a tiny bit, and that was including Cavania once again, and also a teammate who everybody thought was Journey, but it wasn't because he was 10 minutes behind the peloton at that point. And it was Cataneo that was with him. And we saw a reaction by two teams, two teams with sprinters here on paper we have fdg <laughs> with the, the likes of jake stewart <laughs> on paper in the peloton <laughs> and mitchelton with on paper Dion smith in the peloton as sprinter as well uh i completely forgot who are the two riders were i think reichenbach and hausen was sitting on just hausen okay yeah yeah and they weren't doing anything because well on paper they, they had sprinters at the back yeah and they were just following every single time when the Koenig rider was going out the front of this group. They would latch onto the wheel of the guy that, Honestly, that Benji, went off the front. Yeah, they, should, they would have been better off, those two teams, sending Kung and Hausen to work with those quick-step guys. They would have been more likely to get a good <laughs> yeah. result. Um, yeah. Or at least, I don't know why they were so keen on scuppering it because it kind of it would have put Bora and Bahrain in a difficult position. But anyway, they eventually got brought back. It was then the slowest run into the line because no one really had a lead out. Zehoff had been pacing. So Ineos kind of paced. I think for I a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like he paced for court, I guess. 
And because no one really wanted to use up their lead out, even though no one really had any. Kung was looking after Stewart. He came, he podium in Bomloop, right, Benji, the young British sprinter. And he was really deep and he brought him up late. Wasn't a particularly technical finish at all. It was a little bit wet, but not too sketchy either. It was Bahrain leading it out through the last or right-hand corner, but they didn't have a quick lead-out particularly. Um, and they just had one guy in front of Colbrelli. So it was just a really kind of messy and slow sprint into Martini. And Sagan plonked himself fourth wheel on Paddy Bevan's wheel. Paddy Bevan's actually low-key, quite a good sprinter. Uh, by the way, people don't realize that. He's not just not high key, very low key. High key, low key, actually. Very, very low key. Yeah, not just a TT guy, world tour. Only in the sense we're down there. <laughs> no, it's a world tour race. <laughs> I'll throw hands at you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Colbrelli getting a lead out. Sagan fourth wheel on Evan's wheel. And Colbrelli kicks really, really early. And I'm like, oh, this is trouble. Uh, I'm not sure what the wind conditions were, but it was very early. He's got Bentley's on the left-hand barrier, so Sagan then comes up to side-by-side with Bevan. Sagan had already kicked into the wind a little bit early, trying to move up onto Colbrelli's wheel, but Colbrelli went the other side of his lead-out man. So Sagan didn't get that draft that he was anticipating or hoping for. He kind of moves onto Colbrelli's wheel. He, in this sprint, Sagan, so like... Imagine Colbrelli and Bevan are flush with the left-hand barrier. Colbrelli's kicking Bevan's right in the slipstream. Sagan moves over and squeezes, like really gradually squeezes Bevan's space. He's a little bit ahead of Bevan and takes some of Colbrelli's draft. That forces Bevan to stop pedaling lest he gets his handlebars chopped and he goes into the barriers. And then Sagan comes out of Colbrelli's slipstream to the right-hand side. Bevan tries to then follow him, but it's too late. Sagan, no one with any kick behind, really, winning this sprint as he was supposed to, ahead of Colbrelli, Bevan third, Pasquale on fourth, Covey fifth, Court sixth, Dion Smith, bit disappointing, frankly, seventh, uh, Venturini eighth, Cataneo ninth, Mosca tenth. Uh, where's Moschetti? Did you get dropped, Benji? Yeah, he got dropped. So, He's uh, way behind. I think the sprinters that got dropped would be disappointed would be Viviani and Moschetti in particular, like Bauhaus. And Bauhaus. Like that pace on the oh he's big, but the pace on that last climb wasn't that hot. But how did you see that sprint, Benji? Um is Sagan back back? Or if he hadn't won this, would you be really concerned? And this is just kind of a par victory. I think this is a bar victory. Uh, we expected him to do very well here on this situation in the sprint. We said yesterday that on paper he should get over the hills, and if he does, he would win. And it basically turned out like that. Outside of that, I think that what Sagan does is smart. He follows people's draft to try and get the benefit of that to come out of that in the last meters. But the problem is, is that he's such a good bike rider. He's such a good bike handler. That I think he also thinks that everybody else is a good bike handler. Because imagine if Bevan is not a good bike handler here and gets squeezed by Sigan here just behind Colbrelli, then this could be a very dangerous thing. And I think this is again once uh, one of those discussions of where does the lie uh, where does the line lie when it comes to uh invading someone's space and creating a 
a sort of environment where someone else has to stop sprinting to not result into being in the barriers. Yeah. So I don't know. What's your take on this sprint by Sagan? Because a lot of people that I've seen have been calling it pretty dirty. And I'm on the edge, but I'm also leaning towards the dirty side. Oh, no. There's lots of different things. It's legal. There's no rule that I yeah. see that you can do anything about it. 100% legal. Does he know what he's doing? Yes. Does he care if Bevan... He puts Bevan in a pretty dangerous situation. It's a dangerous move um, if Bevan doesn't. He basically he says to Bevan, you're on Colbrelli's wheel. If you keep pedaling at the same speed on the same straight line, you will likely crash or will come into contact and you'll touch the barriers. So that forces Bevan to make a choice. Am I willing to risk that, try and push the gan off, or am I just going to stop pedaling and get squeezed and then I lose the sprint? He chose life and that's really difficult. That's enough. We spoke about this last year. It's like a chicken and egg problem. He didn't... Did he endanger him if Bevan took steps to take himself out of danger? We saw some people almost saying, well, if Jakobsen had stopped breaking, uh, stopped pedaling and had braked, then technically Gronewegen wouldn't have endangered him. Obviously a more extreme move, but that's that kind of logic that is the problem with the rules as they currently stand, whereas I think they should say something like, if you come into another rider's line in a sprint, force him to take corrective action to avoid uh, crashing or potentially crashing. Maybe not a relegation, but a yellow card or something Benji mentioned off yep. air. Benji mentioned, you know, maybe a yellow card is more appropriate. This is really marginal, but it is a dangerous move. If Bevan, Bevan was on Colbrelli's wheel, he'd got himself in that space and he got basically squeezed off it. Um, so it's not the end of the world, but I guess this is what Sagan does. You don't see Wafanat doing this sort of thing generally he just backs his own sprint and i feel like sagan he needs to get everything right he needs to like the legs aren't good enough benji to just toast everyone even a group like this so that's why he's looking for every advantage but yeah do you have a different take on it on the chicken and egg sort of discussion found a pretty good take of yours i think that the important factor in the rule you discuss is that you don't solely keep it towards uh towards having to make a correctional move because if you do that then i could be endangered if i see someone 10 meters away from me moving towards me and i'm like oh god is he going to arrive towards me and hit me and if that rider stops five meters from me then there's no danger at all but i still feel endangered and that's also an issue with if you if you think that it's solely based on the correctional move and i think that you're right when you say it's not because a rider would also have to come into the space of the rider that is feeling endangered to make this an actually endangered moment in the race, if that makes any sense. I think that's uh, kind of the clue I'm trying to uh, deliver here. It's it's honestly, uh, it shows that it's very difficult to get a rule straight and correct the first time around. But it's also the fact that we've been thinking about this two minutes every time it happens on the podcast. And if you hire someone to to dive into every single exception for an entire day you're, you'll be easily coming up with a better rule than the one that is out here today so yeah, yeah. well let us know That's what you I think, think the point we're trying to make i mean some people will say cycling has been like this for hundreds of years 
and uh, there's nothing in it and we're trying to kill the sport. Some people might say we've not gone far enough. We'd be interested to hear your take on the Sagan uh, move. But definitely it's really smart. Like that's he put himself in the best position to win and zero chance of a relegation. Tomorrow's stage from Leneuville to Saint-Imier, 165Ks almost again, but a hilly one. 3,300 metres plus of climbing. I think they do two laps, seems. They do at least a couple of laps of the finish line beforehand, but different climbs. So they obviously do slightly different circuits, which is quite nice. I encourage you to put the map up. Um, but the main final climb was two. There's Le Pontin, 4.2Ks at 8%, 30 Three Ks is the crest from the finish. And then the last major climb is La Voudes Alp, 148 Ks into the stage, 17 Ks from the finish. The crest, it's got, it's pretty gradual. There's no real steep. It's relatively steep, but no nasty pinches. And then a descent sort of running into the finish, uh, but a flat sections as well on a, yeah, in a valley. Here she, Benji. We would have said all day here she last year and that sort of finish. What do you think? Or Lachenko lost ten minutes today. Is he is he being smart? I think he's being smart. Definitely, Lachenko has no uh, position in GC here anyway, and no goal for that. But while we're talking about all these breakaway riders, I think that one rider that also lost time today, perhaps not as much, but still a notable amount, is uh, the rider I've shouted yesterday for a stage win in Tour de Romandy, and I completely believe in the ability to do so. Marco Brenner, I believe it's happening. Oh, I love it. Honestly, it has to happen. <laughs> 18 years old, absolute legend, young cyclist on, on BSM. Yep. And he's talented. You know more about him and his physiology than I do, I think. But a, what type of rider is he? He's actually quick. So he's he's a climber. He's really small, um, light guy. But he's got a lot of punch as well. But this is in, I guess, juniors. But his numbers that he's told me are good. Uh, if it's sort of 10 minutes, I'm not sure, over like 30 and 40. But I don't know, maybe he's just getting used to He's so young. I think he's like 19 years old. 18, I think, still. 18 years yeah, old. 18. So, I mean, yeah, super young. Um, but, yeah, he's actually – It's a new meta, man. If he, <laughs> if he gets in a reduced bunch, I wouldn't underestimate his kick either. I think it could be all right. What about another man on his team, Benji, Ulan van Wilder? Um, is he far back enough on GC to probably not? Nope. No. He's uh, going for GC. Yeah. I think he's going to top 10 Romandy. I'm not even joking about it. No, he's he been absolutely uh, decent this season. I was going to say godlike, but that's not true. <laughs> he's been uh, very talented and decent this uh, this season already. I think when it comes to his results, he was 29th in Itzulia, got 15 von and 17 and 15 and 16 von four stage in a row in there. So uh, quite a few of those were hilly. He was 10th in Copia Bartali, so can definitely hang on as well. When it comes to Copia Bartali, we also saw that Brenner was doing decent results there. And when it comes to Brenner, I want to focus on the fact that he got 24th at Fleche Wallon. So that's certainly a good result because uh, I think that I'm more leaning towards a breakaway for tomorrow's stage. I don't know why. I feel like the climbs are not necessarily hard, but they're also a bit much to have Mitchelton control at the entire stage. If I look at how they looked after today's stage, 
I don't believe that they can control tomorrow. No, no, no. So no. I think the that Smith. a breakaway might be uh, taking it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> imagine they shouldn't bother. <laughs> no way they shouldn't bother with that. Just go for the break. <laughs> I'll, I mean, I wasn't thinking of Benji, but you just put it into my mind. I hope they don't do that. Oh, no. Catania Benji for the Kearney Quick Step. He climbs okay, doesn't he? What about he? Yeah, he does. He's a good climber. He's one up on Nino. Yeah, he does. Is he an option for tomorrow from a break? Uh, this reminds me mainly towards, I think, last year's Vuelta where we had in the third week a similar stage when it comes to the parkour, and it started raining and foggy in the last 30 kilometers. Yeah, yeah. And Amada he won. A solo attack, and I think Amada he won, won that stage. Didn't no, he didn't win. win. Who won? No, no, no. Amada and him no, I don't know. looked like they were going to win, I think. It was, an, it was a weird stage. Um. But they didn't. Yeah, I think it's that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the yeah. one you're thinking of. Uh, I don't really have a good feeling on this. I think it could be could be another snoozer, Benji. Honestly, I think Ineos is so dominant and controlling. Uh, I don't know about the wind conditions, but if he or she, if no one's setting pace, Benji, on that last climb, the break is caught. Yeah. And say say the break is at three to five minutes all day because Ineos are keeping it there. Then UAE pace. Bring it down before the last climb to you know a minute, etc. And then Ineos or whoever, like, are UAE really going to be able to pace that hard on that climb? I mean, if I'm here, she, I want to get like in the tour, he'd get in a break early and then work them over on these regular climbs would be perfect. He's too close. He's way too close on GC, so that's the problem really for the break tomorrow. I feel like it could be question. Yes. When it comes to Hiroshi, um, I made this point a few times this year already, but now he's actually in the in the form that he can actually do something with it. He has the ability to do decent in the lead groom in a climbing stage, but against Ineos, that will be troublesome. How much do you think he needs onto Ineos before the uh, stage four mountain stage for him to make uh, a potential GC victory here? Wait, who? Knowing there's a time trial at the end. Mark Hiroshi. Um, mate, not. Am I dreaming? Yeah, you're dreaming. <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> not happening. It would, wouldn't it be nice? Like, be... with a hill stage tomorrow <laughs> and a hill, ah, a hill stage on stage three. I don't know. It's more of a, a potential again. Nah, I don't nah, know. Three is not that hard. Stage. I don't think four and then four is too hard yeah. for it. <laughs> so I don't, see, <laughs> I don't see. I tried. Okay, nah. I'm trying to make nah. this interesting. Okay, because let's be real. Today's stage was amazing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. We think it could be kind of weird again because the gaps are so close <laughs> on GC. Maybe they do it really slow. Maybe Magnus Court wins a reduced bunch sprint and there's no breakaway. Or <laughs> it could, but Venturini. Can Venturini climb that well? Gavagna. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe it's, I don't <laughs> know, could be weird. Could be someone like either. Cataneo sprinting against Venturini um, or really Costa. <laughs> And here she, like, Rui Costa, the benefit is that it's in Switzerland. He's always good yep, in Swiss races. Yep. One GC to the Swiss, I think, a couple of times. All right, that's enough. We'll, you can tell us, no, down below, who's going to win. Um, maybe Froome's deliberately lost time. We can only hope. We'll see you tomorrow with a stage two recap. Ciao. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 